I'll be preaching from the book of 1 Samuel. If you want to turn there, that would be helpful so that you can follow along. We're actually in chapter 3, though the bulletin says chapter 2. But if you have that there, we'll be, you can follow along. We are uh, doing a sermon series on a summer of stories. And so a lot of people have been reading along stories throughout the week that I'm preaching on one of those stories. And I've been getting a lot of good feedback. A lot of people enjoying this and enjoying the reading and liking that I am preaching this, the, uh, some of the stories. Although every week I seem to get somebody that says, oh, I wish you had preached this other story that we read this week because I really had some questions on that. Uh, if you ever want to come talk to me about questions you have on sermons or uh, on texture reading, please, I love having those conversations. Uh, so come to talk to me. This, uh, this story takes place around two different characters. One is a, a man named Eli. Eli was a prophet. This is before the kings. The, the other character we're going to have, Samuel, is the one who's going to first anoint the kings. First Saul and then David. And this is a time so there, there's no kings. We have prophets that speak God's word to the people. And we occasionally have judges that step up and sort of lead the people when they get out of, out of the way of God's plan. And, and when other countries sort of come in, other nations come in, to mess with Israel, the judges will rise up and put them away. But the prophets are, are of vital importance at this time. The prophets are the ones who speak God's will. And Eli has been a good prophet, except he's had one weakness. Eli has two sons, and his sons are very much scoundrels. They are put in, in charge of, of the priestly work and they're taking a lot for themselves. They're skimming off the top. And rather than speak out against his sons, Eli basically lets his sons go. He won't discipline his own children. And so he's in trouble. He's in trouble with God and hasn't heard from God for a long time. But still he works. Still he works in the temple. Still he waits to listen for God. But God has not spoken to him in a long time. He has a young boy working for him named Samuel. Samuel's mother wanted a child, but for a long time couldn't have one. And she finally said to God, God, if you will give me a child, I will dedicate the child to your service when he is of age. And God hears her call, and she has Samuel. The name Samuel means God has heard. Uh, so even by Samuel's name, he's saying that he was a gift from God. And so we start with our text now. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Eli is a prophet and in the past he has heard from God, but now because he has gotten in trouble with God over his sons, God doesn't speak a lot. People aren't used to even hearing from God. There's not a lot of visions. It doesn't take a lot with this text to compare us to this text today. I mean, I don't think in the American church we expect God to speak a lot. 
We don't expect to have visions. We don't expect God's word to come to us so specifically. It's not true around the world, by the way. In Africa, Christians all the time have prophetic utterances. They have healings. They have all kinds of these things. In much of the Middle East, in the Arabic nations, um, in Muslim nations, all kinds of people have dreams where they see Jesus and they become Christians without anybody even talking to them about Jesus. But in America today, it's pretty spiritually quiet. That's the way it was at this time. So we continue. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight has be- had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. This lamp in the temple represents God's presence. And so when the text says it's always on, it's this reminder that even though God isn't being heard from, even though God isn't giving a lot of visions in those days, God's presence is still there. This is an interesting comparison to Eli, who the text says his eyesight had become, begun to grow dim. At first glance, it looks as if it just means Eli's getting older and he's starting to lose his eyesight. There's not glasses in these days, so he's going blind. He's losing his ability to see. But I wonder if there's a metaphor going on underneath of that. That there's no frequent visions because Eli can't see anymore. Because God has moved away from Eli because of his sin. He seems abandoned by God, and yet the light in the temple is still on. God's presence is still there. So we get to the fun part of the story. Samuel's laying there, resting, trying to keep this light on overnight. He's in the temple. And the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So I went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. There's a certain amount of humor to this story, right? God speaks out. You can imagine the scene. Samuel. Samuel goes up to get Eli because he figures Eli's the only other person around. It must be Eli that's calling me. Now I'll go back to bed. You can see all, all parents have done this, right? Just go back to bed. Go back to bed. And again, Samuel. Eli's trying to get a hold of me. I better go back there. Eli, just, just come on. Go back to bed. You, you got to go back to bed. 
It's not till the third time Samuel hears this voice, and he's so sure that he hears the voice, even though he's been told to go to bed two times, he still comes back again. And suddenly, Eli understands that it's God speaking. It's understandable that Samuel wouldn't know that it was God speaking. In the text, it's very clear that Samuel doesn't know God. He's never heard the word of the Lord. Remember, the word of the Lord is rare in these days. There's not frequent vision. And so Samuel, even though he's been in service to the temple, in service to the Lord, even though he works at the temple, he works at the church, he doesn't know who God is. I hope that's not true of us. That we work in the church. We work in the presence of the Lord, and yet we don't personally know Him. But but I fear sometimes that it might be true. It's understandable that Samuel doesn't know what's going on because he's never heard the word of the Lord. But it's amazing to me when I read this text that Eli doesn't know it's the word of the Lord. Maybe he's just really sleepy. I've had those nights. But I think it's more that Eli just hasn't heard from the Lord in a long time. He doesn't expect to hear from the Lord Which is funny to me because they're in the temple. The one place I thought you would expect to hear from the Lord. But the Lord hasn't spoken in so long. That it doesn't register with Eli that maybe it's God speaking. Furthermore, doesn't Eli probably think if God's going to speak, He's going to speak to me? Not to this boy. And yet finally, Eli, whether he wakes up or whether God kind of nudges him awake to let him know what's going on, finally figures out, oh, this is God speaking. And the story continues. The Lord came and stood, calling as of other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, this is my favorite part, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell his vision to Eli. I love this, 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 this line right here. I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I don't know what tingling ears quite feel like. It's a weird description, isn't it? But but I've had like the hair on the back of my neck sort of stand up or sort of, you know, you've got those weird feelings at times. God's saying, I'm going to do something that's going to make everybody just kind of shiver. Some tingling ears. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for God to do something like that. I'm ready for some tingling ears. I'm ready for God to do something amazing so that when people hear about it, they say, ooh. 
Now, I also realize that I've had the hair on my neck sort of stand up for multiple reasons, right? Sometimes it's because you're excited, but sometimes it's because you're scared. So it seems to me there's two kinds of tingling ears, and it's not altogether clear here what kind of tingling we're talking about, but perhaps it's both. Seems to be that it's something excited. God hasn't spoken for a long time, and suddenly God's saying, I'm going to do something big here. But at the same time, isn't that a little scary? It's definitely scary for Eli, for whom this news is bad news. God is rejecting his children and their claim to any kind of prophecy or priestliness in the community. Eli's going to die knowing that his family didn't live up to what God had for them. It's so bad that text says Samuel lays there until the morning. He can't sleep. He can't sleep maybe because he's finally heard from God. And when he, 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 I can imagine hearing God's voice and just being awestruck by the fact that in reality you know that God is real. But also knowing that the first message God gives you as a prophet is a message against your mentor condemnation against this person that's been training you and looking over you, looking out for you at the temple. He can't sleep. Knowing that Eli has been passed over and that he will be taking his mentor's place. In the morning, verse 16, Eli called to Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. Eli said, what is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Samuel wants to know what God said because he knows he hasn't heard from God in a long time. What could God be up to in this moment? And you've got to imagine little, little Samuel. We don't know how young he is. He's young enough to not be home. Take a deep swallow. And he's got to decide what he's going to do. Will he tell Eli the truth or not? And here we go. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Amazing, not only the courage, the courage that we see in Samuel, but look at Eli's response. Is Eli mad? Sad? Probably. But his response is, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as the prophet of the Lord. I can appreciate the difficulty of this for Samuel. To have to tell that to Eli. But, but it amazes me how Eli accepts this news. What's his answer? It is the Lord. Sometimes we get bad news and that is not how we take it, right? It is the Lord. The Lord is going to do what the Lord's going to do. I'm not the Lord. The, the Lord is the Lord. What a statement of faith from Eli. To have this condemnation against his family and yet he accepts it 
he accepts it. And Samuel is so faithful to share it. So Samuel grows up and he, he, God continues to bless his words. He gets the reputation. So much so that eventually he's the one that anoints a king for Israel. And then anoints the second king of Israel. He speaks to the people and sets up the kingship. I think God still wants to do great things. I think God is ready to do something that would make our ears tingle. In fact, I'm, I'm going to speak to you really as your pastor now. I have this sense that God wants to do that soon. In some kind of neat way, God wants to do something here. I have felt, I couldn't, I couldn't describe it for you. I couldn't prove it. I couldn't lay out the steps. But I think God is up to something. Suddenly. Things fall in place. God gives ideas. God gives insights. And the question is, if God's going to do this ear-tingling sort of thing, how will we respond? Will we be like Samuel and not really know the Lord? That's a danger. That we come to church that we're involved in the service of the Lord and yet we don't personally know Him. Or maybe we know Him, but like Eli, we've fallen asleep. We just don't expect God to speak or to give visions or to give dreams or to get us excited anymore. Perhaps we hear God's call, but we, like Samuel, can't discern it from other calls. There are so many other things that cry out to us in our world. It's easy for us to get distracted about what comes from God and what does not. We've got to be willing to listen to what God has to say and to proclaim what God has to say, even if it may cost us. We've got to be like Eli, who's just willing to say, okay, this may not be what I want, but I am willing to accept what the Lord has for me. We need to be like Samuel and have the boldness to speak God's plan and God's will. It could be hard. Could be difficult, might not be easy. Ear tingling may not be all it's cracked up to be. You might have to speak out to someone. You might have to speak up at work. You know, there are a lot of people out there that really need to hear the gospel message that we celebrate every week. Have you ever considered and really prayed for who in your world you might invite to church? You might share about what God is doing in your life. They may need to hear it. And it may not be easy to share. It wasn't easy for Samuel. It may not be easy to hear. It wasn't easy for Eli. But if God's going to do some ear tingling, if God's going to do some things that's just going to make our hair stand up on end, then it may take some boldness from us. It may take some faithfulness from us. But I tell you what, I'm ready for God to do something great. I'm ready for God to do something that will make the ears of all who hear it tingle. May we find some tingling ears in our midst. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we long for you to do something. Something we have never seen before. Something exciting. Something that when we tell others about it, 
when we think about it, we get excited. So prepare us. Work in our lives, work in our church, work in our community, work in our country, that your will would be done, that all would know that you are Lord. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.